coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. You know, kind of the right place, the right time. I became one of their suggested followers with uh, Martha Stewart, Emeril Lagasse. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And here was Chef Dennis. I'm going, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I just was in awe of the control he had over people and they would moan when they fed them. Because <laughs> about year five, people kind of go, well, he's really an asshole. <laughs> and I go, I didn't know what to feed kids when I took the job, so I just fed them like adults. You know, we cool. had sushi, chicken marsala. We had- nice. <laughs> Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is international travel and food blogger, Chef Dennis Litley. Chef Dennis has been food blogging since 2009 and he creates restaurant style recipes that anyone can make at home. At the top of the show, we'll talk about a couple of new food trends due to the pandemic. We We have have a great great show, so stick stick around. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oates Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94, by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oates has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe, Open Daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies, along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today. Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North. And in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollinoats.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup. 
Hey foodies, do you know about the Zest podcast? If you're listening to us, you should be listening to them too. They're part of the Tampa NPR station, WUSF 89.7. On the Zest, you'll learn new recipes, baking tips, and barbecue secrets. You'll hear about what's ripe, what's growing, and what's in season. The Zest podcast is hosted by Robin Sussingham, an award-winning reporter and producer who's also an avid home cook and baker. Robin's a native Floridian and has been searching out flavors and the fascinating stories behind them from Key West to Pensacola. Learning to care for a sourdough starter and learning to bake sourdough breads really speaks to people in a very deep way. It's part of our collective history and we're getting back to our roots and our self-sufficiency. Just like us, the Zest podcast does interviews with chefs and restaurateurs and talks about food and recipes covering the Tampa Bay area and throughout Florida. It's what we listen to when we're not doing our own show. Check out the Zest podcast at thezestpodcast.com. Before we start, we have a programming note for another program. The Zest Podcast. This is another great local food-related podcast that we will be interviewed on this week. It drops on August 27th, so be sure to hear me and Lori being interviewed on the Zest Podcast. Yes, please. We're going to talk about uh, a couple of trends, mostly just one, uh, the, the latest one we've heard of that's been in the news, that there is a pepperoni shortage. Oh, it's been widely reported in the national news that there is now a pepperoni shortage due to everybody's favorite record of the year 2020, COVID-19. And it's a double whammy. Because of the pandemic, demand for pizza, especially delivery, is right, up. Right, of course. Which helps magnify the shortages because of production disruptions. Right. So the price is going up. So pizzas are going to be more expensive. Or is it? Remember, we also had one a while back, there were shortages of CO2. Right. And I checked with all all the breweries around here and nobody was having issues. Actually, you were the only one that had an issue with the CO2 shortage with your canisters for SodaStream. Right. Bloomberg News got quotes from a few independent restaurants that said they have had price increases up to 50%. And those places said they're just going to take the hit and they're not passing the cost on, passing on the cost increase. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if demand's high, like they say, you think they would. Right. So I'm not sure if they talk to the best business people on that one. <laughs> Hopefully they make good pizza. <laughs> so, and they quote it two places, one in South Dakota and the other in New York City. Mm-hmm. But they also said that the larger chains are insulated from pricier pepperoni since they typically buy ingredients on long-term contracts where prices are pre-negotiated and not subject to market changes. Mm. And they mentioned Domino's, Papa John's, Pizza Hut, and Little Caesars. Said so they have not experienced shortages or price increases. Interesting. Right. That is. So I decided to check around here with huh. some people we know. So I checked with uh, Tony Mangiafico, the chef and co-owner of Grazzi Italian Grill. And he says, my prices from my distributors has not changed yet as they are working on previous stock. But I got notified the prices will go up. I just don't know how much. Right. Wow. I checked with Dan Bavaro, the mm-hmm. owner operator of Bavaro's Pizza Napolitana and Pasteria, and he said, "I'd have to look. I haven't heard of our locations running into issues." And I would think if they were, Dan would know about it. You so it think, seems like yeah. uh, not a problem there. And the most interesting answer I got was from Chris Sweeney, the operating partner at Noble Crust. 
He said, we've yet to experience a price increase because we use expensive pepperoni. The issue is supply in general with many Italian imported products. This has been going on for months. I think pancetta was the first product we couldn't order anymore. If you typically order the cheapest stuff, it is very likely that product is currently unavailable and your hand is being forced to step up to the next level, causing a price increase. Hmm. That's interesting, right? That so that's a different type of yeah, explanation. Totally. Not that the price actually went up. But that might actually be the reason Dan doesn't know of anything either, because they use the high quality. Right. He imports, a, mm-hmm. he, I think he imports everything. He from imports, Italy. yeah. And Chris goes on to say, since the pandemic reached us and Italy was the epicenter, here's a list of items I know we've had to use substitutes for because our usual brand was out of stock. Olive oil, pancetta, Calabrian chili, prosciutto, sopracetta, and prosecco. Wow. So pretty interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what are our go-to toppings again that we normally do? Uh, Pepperoni, mushrooms, bacon, and jalapenos. Yeah. I love that mix. And in stupid food news, the Wall Street Journal reports, stir-crazy travelers are ordering airline food to relive the flying experience. Oh, my God. Surplus snacks and microwavable meals can be purchased online for those who want to recreate the taste of a trip that might have been. And it's Imperfect Foods, an online retailer that sells surplus food. (laughs) And the only airline they mentioned was JetBlue. Huh. Interesting, especially since you don't really get airline food much anymore. It's really just snacks and stuff like that. I know, that. right? Yeah. yeah, you gotta be like in first class. Right, exactly. So that's our conversation for today. We'll be right back with Chef Dennis Litley. Alrighty then. Alrighty then. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly, pimento cheese, and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh, yeah. I love that one, too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm-hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good, too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms, and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for the fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, best casual dining, best pizza, best Bloody Marys, best meatballs, and believe it or not, best salads. Ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs, it's so good. Man, you're not kidding, you know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 10.30, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. Please welcome, from AskChefDennis.com, international travel and food blogger, Chef Dennis Whitley. Welcome, Chef. Welcome, Dennis. Well, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. It's uh, nice to be on a podcast and share some of my travels and experiences with everyone. Yes, and you are kind of an old hand at this, aren't you? I, yeah, as I was referred to once as one of the, uh, the dinosaurs of the blogging. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so I first noticed you on Instagram where you have over 50,000 followers and over 1,600 gorgeous food photos. And I, I've been following you for over a year. Well, I, I do love to eat. And Instagram was my favorite social media because I would post just what was going on here and now. You know, I used to post I have two accounts. I have a travel one too, but I used to post my travel on the food one and they would tank. So I just started a separate travel uh, for pictures of me and different things. Right, 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 right. Right. It's, it's good to have a focus. And I think when you, when you get yeah. off focus, people, they get off focus with you as well. Right. People wanted food, you know, and that's, that's what I'm giving them there. Yeah. So you retired as a chef. Yes. Moved to Florida and became a food blogger and you started off with live streaming. Yes, I did. Uh, I did a lot of work for Google when it first came out. I kind of drank the Kool-Aid and <laughs> dug right into everything they were offering and, and loved it. You know, there were a lot of people that didn't like Google Plus at the time. But for me, it was, you know, kind of the right place, the right time. I became one of their suggested followers with uh, Martha Stewart, Emeril Lagasse. Bam! Wow. Wow. Yeah. And here was, was Chef Dennis. I'm going, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but, you know, Who's the Chef Dennis guy? They, Hopefully you bought stock then too. They got, I, you know, I wish. I didn't. I didn't have money. Then. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You, you either have time to travel or and, and you don't have the money or you have the money and you don't have time. So, you know, right. right. So where are you from originally? I am originally from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, mm -hmm. And I moved to South Jersey when I was pretty young. I was, I think, eight. And then, what part? Uh, where in South Jersey? Yeah, uh, Pomona. Oh, okay. It's right outside of Atlantic City, and uh, right. enjoyed a, a nice life there. Just never quite, uh, quite felt like home. And uh, we were walking the dogs in the snow one day, and my wife said, uh, "Let's move to Florida." And I went, "Sure." <laughs> so, was Atlantic City a playground for you? It was, and it was a lot of fun growing up. My mother actually worked in Atlantic City, so a lot of times I'd take the bus in and spend the day there, and then catch a ride home with her. Uh, and you know, it, it, she'd let me out. I'd take the last bus home at 2 AM, but it was a different time back then. It was. How, how different was Atlantic city back then? Oh, wow. Well, it was just, there were no casinos and, wow. and it still had some of the old theaters and the old theaters were like, I mean, they were epic, uh, just huge with, with, uh, balconies and all this velvet and, and uh, they were very, very cold too. So during the summer, it was a nice place. You know, movies were like 75 cents or a dollar then. And you'd go in and, and sit through one or two showings of it. Like, mm -hmm. very cool. But they had all the rides and they had the steel pier. Uh, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. There was so much to do on the boardwalk. Uh, and it was, you know, just a nice place to be back then. Yeah. So I'm, I'm from Jersey as well. Uh, Central Jersey, uh, North Brunswick. But uh, we, I personally, as a kid, uh, my down the shore, that's what we call it, the shore, mm -hmm. not the beach in Jersey, was uh, Seaside was my playground. Atlantic City was my parents' playground because that was casino time. Right? <laughs> they enjoyed the casinos. My wife was a, a Philly girl, so for her, it was Long Beach Island. And then her mother got a house in Ocean City, so that's how we met. We met in Ocean City because I was a chef at a restaurant in Ocean City. And that's where we are right now, actually. We uh, drove up uh, Sunday, and we're here till November. Oh, nice. And how did you become a chef? I became a chef because, number one, I like to eat. And uh, right. I, used to, I used to do a lot of cooking because my mom worked nights uh, when I was younger and would leave me to fend for myself. So I would, you know, pedal my bike to the local store and buy stuff and come back and make something. Of course, I, you know, I 
get my bottles in first so I had money to buy something. That's when you used to take bottles back and get money for them. Mm-hmm. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Positive on a bottle. Um, right. So I learned to cook. And then there was a guy when I was in seventh or eighth grade, started on TV. His name was Graham Kerr, mm-hmm. the Galloping Gourmet. And yep. I remember watching him too. I just was in awe of the control he had over people and they would moan when they fed them. And you know, it, was like, <laughs> oh, it was just wonderful. It seemed like such a, a wonderful lifestyle. And I always had that in the back of my mind. And, you know, through the years of trying everything under the sun, you know, I finally found myself in cooking and, and stayed with that. Uh, just, you know, it's, it's been a, a kind of an interesting life. And I started in food management first and then worked my way back into the kitchens. And what was your first and last restaurant job and favorite? My first restaurant job was in Ocean City, New Jersey. And it was a little restaurant called Cousins, who was, it was the big, the big place back then. It was where you went to eat. I mean, we'd be serving dinners up till two in the morning. Um, wow. And wow. the last actual restaurant or food service? What do you want to? Well, I guess food service. Okay, the last food service I had was feeding 600 high school girls at Mount St. Oh, Joseph's uh-huh. Academy in Flower Town, Pennsylvania. And how long were you I there? was there for eight years, which is generally you, two years too long anywhere for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And do you have a favorite uh, culinary job that you, you had? In Actually, in a way, that was my favorite because mm-hmm. I had kind of burned out a little bit. I mean, I, I had a lot of fun. I was an opener. Mm-hmm. I, people would send me like when I started working for food service companies, if there was a problem or if there was something that they were going to have issues with, they sent me because I mm-hmm. would get it running, get it running smoothly and everything would be wonderful. People would love the food and it would be making money. And then, like I said, two years too long, because about year five, people kind of go, well, he's really an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, well, I was when you hired me, but you didn't mind then. <laughs> That's funny. I could see how that would be fun, you know, because I think with, with a lot of things, at least with, with me as well, you know, starting off something new and yeah. getting it running is exciting. There yeah. is. There's a lot of joy and uh, achievement to that. And uh, the reason the school was kind of my favorite was because I could – make a person's day with a cookie. I mean, <laughs> when I was having a bad day, I would go out in the hall and give the girls cookies during break. And it would be, I love you, Dennis. I love you too, honey. Thank you. You know, and, uh, <laughs> and they would come in and they would be so happy to see me. And, and what are we having to eat today? Cause they, you know, I didn't know what to feed kids when I took the job. So I just fed them like adults. You know, we cool. had sushi, chicken marsala. We had, Nice. <laughs> they got whatever I felt like making that day. And, you know, I kept the budgets in line. Everything was good. So everybody was happy. How old were they? They again? were high school girls. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Nice. And it was a Catholic school. Yeah, right? it was. And it was, you know, affluent, but not. There were a lot of, it was a good mix of girls. And all mm-hmm. the girls went right. to high school. So it was, uh, it was a good thing. They really, really, really were good to the girls and the girls loved it there. Now, at some point, didn't you also teach culinary? I did, there. Uh, about four years oh. in, uh, I was doing a, an event, and 
I'm, I'm thinking, you know, hire temps and temps are like the dregs of the earth. Sometimes I'm sorry. They're just terrible. <laughs> and uh, a girl had asked to help and I sure come on back. I gave her an apron. I showed her how to cut and we were doing, I'm thinking, you know, I need to just start a culinary program here and train my own help. Yeah. That's a great <laughs> yeah, idea. So I did. It was like, it was incredible the amount of people that came out, but the first year I think I had 60 sign up, but only 13 stayed and they were all freshmen because everyone mm-hmm. else had too many activities. They were just so, the girls did everything. They just couldn't work it into their schedule. So at the end right. of the year, we had our big fundraiser event dinner and they didn't know what I was doing down there, but Dennis was a good guy. He's fine. I hadn't quite got to the other stage yet. <laughs> he doesn't do any harm. And uh, at the big event, I had them all in chef's coats and aprons and they walked out and the room just went dead still because they had no idea wow. what I was really doing. <laughs> so I had trained the staff and uh, after four years, they were one of our points of excellence. The school got two for the robotics team and the culinary team. Uh, That's that great. was quite an achievement. But the girls were great. I had a lot of fun with them. And is is that how the website originally started? So you could put the recipes? Yeah. I started it. Um, I went to the, the school IT person, and she put me on Blogspot, and we started the blog. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, the girls can go there and ask me questions. And none of them ever did. Um, <laughs> uh, they wanted to come into the office and see me. They wanted, they wanted Dennis. I was fine with that. But and then some of the school did, though, some of the other students, some of the teachers. And I, I joined a, an organization called Food Buzz. That was back when, in the early days of blogging. And it was worldwide. And I was meeting bloggers from all over the place. And one morning I woke oh. up with a reader in Singapore and one in New Zealand. And I was like, oh, my God, I must be a blogger. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. That is cool. And was it always named Ask Chef Dennis? No. It started out with more than a mountful because we were at Mount St. Joseph's. <laughs> That's clever. Yeah. And it was the, the tagline was Yes, Virginia, there more is to life than microwave and takeout. <laughs> That's great. And so then how did it how do you evolve it into Ask Chef well, Dennis? Well, after a couple of years, you know we all had these aspirations of being the next pioneer woman or in my case, pioneer man or whatever. But I said, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. I knew that things were getting, you know, I had hoped to retire there, which I did, but I didn't know at the time I would. <laughs> uh, and uh, I changed the name. A friend had suggested that because I was doing a lot of help posts because no one ever told anybody anything. The people that were making money, were so tight lipped. They didn't want to share any secrets. They were afraid you were going to steal their thunder. Right. Anytime I would learn something, I would post about it. And then I started having guest posts and I was trying to lift up more people in the community. And uh, so I became, you know, you're, you're a ass shift dentist. When we want to know something, we come to you. So that's how I became. Yeah, I totally understand that. I mean, I'm an old hand at online stuff too. And in the beginning I was like, uh, you know, why I would saw some bloggers like telling all their secrets and I'm like, why are you doing that? You're creating new competition for yourself. But then I saw the light yeah. and I finally figured it out that it, if you, if you're really just doing everything you're supposed to do and work hard, you, you shouldn't have to worry about yeah, that. And dividends right. come back to you. I mean, you don't do it for that reason, but you know, the people appreciate what you do and you know, people all say, Oh, what can I do for you? I said, well, the only thing you can do for me is pay it forward. 
when someone comes to right. you for help, remember and pay it forward. That's all. Right. Great. Hey, Dennis, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back in a minute and a half, two minutes. And we're going to get into some of the juicy details of AskChefDennis.com. We'll be right back. Keep on moving. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth. And the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, Ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? We are back! We are back! And we are back with Chef Dennis Litley from AskChefDennis.com. And your concept is to have restaurant style dishes that people can easily make at home. Is that correct? That's it. That's what I strive for. I mean, nothing should take more than a half an hour. Uh, so I try to make most of my dishes in 20 to 30 minutes. You know, if there's some marinating or some other little bit of prep, you know, not, and it's not a perfect world. Everything can't be that quick, but you know, in a restaurant, we turn things around pretty fast. We have to, to get people in and out. So it's mm-hmm. right, right. an easy style of cooking and one you can adapt pretty easily at home. It's not rocket science. That's you know that's what I always used to tell my students. It's not rocket science. It's cooking. Right. And we made. I made the the first one. I made was the chicken salt and boca. Mm-hmm. And now, so Lori and I live separately, but kind of together like half the week, and then at our own places the other half a week. So when I was home alone, Kevin, I made the chicken salt and boca, and. I posted that on my personal Facebook and then we also have, you know, a page and a, and a group for the business and it really blew up more than most things. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And so a couple of days later, Lori came over and I said, well, I actually bought enough ingredients to make it again. <laughs> so we had, it, I had it twice in one week and I don't have a problem with that. At it all. was so good. It is, oh my it God. It is a good dish, you know, and, and a lot of the secret is to getting the right kind of Marsala and it, Yes, I remember that. Right. Tell me again the difference. Well, there's a sweet and a dry. It's not that the sweet is really sweet. It's just, it it has a little bit different flavor. And and everything they tell you about dry should make the dry the one you want to use. But when I use the two side by side, it's just, there's just something lacking in the dry one. 
sweet mm-hmm. marsala always just drives the flavors better, the flavor profiles. You know, it might be because of the other ingredients. I generally use mushrooms, and you know, when I make a marsala sauce, I don't mm-hmm. know. But, mm-hmm. uh, and the chicken, the chicken base, the stock that I use to finish it out with too, you know, adds a little salt and a little sharpness to it. So, you know, that could be that, but um, it mm-hmm. seems to blend better with dishes. Yeah, I, I agree. So yeah, on the Marcella, I think you said something like what, something like what I'm going to tell you right now goes yeah. against what every other recipe is going to tell oh, yeah, you. And every other right. chef, no one agrees with me. <laughs> so, and, and I haven't had the opportunity to try it yet because when I went to the store, actually, they just said Marcella. It didn't say sweet that's or dry. Fine. So I'm assuming if, if there isn't a choice, if it's if it's just one, that's good too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it still comes out. Yeah, great. it's generally like a blend yeah. then because uh, Pellegrino is my favorite Marsala, and for years they never labeled it either way. Now all of a sudden they got fancy and they have uh-huh. uh, you know, and it's more expensive too. <laughs> they have right. sweet and dry and different different varieties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny when one person in our group who is um, kind of a critic, I mean, she looks at things very critically mm-hmm. and she is trained. And when I posted that dish, she said, Kevin, did you go to culinary school? I said, no, I just followed Ask Chef Dennis. Here's the link. <laughs> Thank you. Well, she was asking that because of the plating. Yeah, uh, I, well, I tried, right. copied the picture. Right. You know, <laughs> that that's also a point for me. You know, I have tried so hard to use different color plates and different color backgrounds. And I can't do it. Uh, all I have are white plates. That's it. Well, that's what they, they say you're supposed to plate on white oh, plates. But bloggers mm-hmm. these days, oh, man. And, and we where's the place we're staying at has square plates and square plates drive crazy. <laughs> we're, we're actually, um, I'm taking uh, some lessons and courses from an online culinary school called ruby.com, R-O-U-X-B-E.com. And I just Sunday started the plating part and they say, you know, they, they say up front, look, we're just scratching the surface here, but to start off the best, easiest plates to plate with are white round plates. Just, yeah, it makes me happy. I mean, I don't have to over garnish or add too much to it, you know, and, and people eat with their eyes. So that's part of the whole aspect of making it look kind of attractive because the dish will taste better if it looks good. Uh, yeah, totally. That's very true. You know, so it's the first, uh, that's the first glimpse they get, you know, they, so they eat with their eyes, they see that, then they taste it. Um, like Lisa will laugh. Sometimes we get something that's plated so beautifully that I turn it around all different directions. I bring it up and I smell it and I just savor mm-hmm. it before I even cut into it. You know, right. <laughs> I want to experience the whole package. Yeah, exactly. We we also made the Korean pork barbecue oh, nice. last weekend, which we loved as well. Mm-hmm. And I think just going by the photos, what I want to do next is the Sicilian style seafood, complete with a fried eggplant plank and linguine. I was just going to tell you that we're on the same wavelength. Honest to God, I'm just going to tell you the one you got to try next is that. That is mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It it looks pretty awesome. It is, and you know it's funny too. Some you know some of the things like that was an old recipe that I reshot a lot of my older recipes, the pictures are terrible. You know, we didn't know we needed to be photographers when we started blogging. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I had a clue of what went into it when I started, I'd have found another hobby. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when we go back and look at our older content, I'm like, Oh man, I posted that. (laughs) And, And in the old days, everybody wanted stories. 
You know, now it's right. like, oh my God, all right, I don't need to know how you found out about this or what your grandmother told you or, or where you went to school. Just give me the damn recipe. You know, it's like, ah. Oh. So, you know, and Google has changed on, on how they want us to write. So my whole style of writing is now more of a less a cookie cutter, but, you know, I try to embellish it as, as best I can without making people crazy. I like your story. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. And You're welcome. what is um, like the change, I guess, that Google prefers a change in style? Well, it's answering questions. Uh, you know, and it's not yes. necessarily that you have to write that way, but, you know, you'll get more page views because you they want you you want to know like you know people do research and, and you know they're always always talk about all right uh, uh sam rush you know who wants to join that it's a hundred i had it for like over a year i never used it uh it's just you go in there and you, you type in keywords and you just see all right what should i make to, on this keyword or what what's going to do good you know and they were talking about that in a forum and i went well, i make what i like to eat <laughs> right. You're talking about uh, SEM rush. Yeah, right? SEM rush. Yeah. Yeah, search engine marketing, right? Yeah. Yeah, same with me. I mean, I'm aware of it, but I, I don't really use it myself. Uh, I, I had it, I had, gave it to a friend to use, and I told her, I said, look, I, I'm canceling it. You know, it's 100 bucks a month, and I've never been on it. So it, it, I, I feel I don't need it. I don't want to be auto, so automatic. I mean, kind of, they kind of are now with me answering questions, but I don't want it to be that predictable. I want it to be some some kind of part of me in there, some joy, some joy of cooking of what I'm making is actually something I want to make and something I'm definitely going to eat. Right. Yeah. And I like how you do your recipes. Like you, you have the traditional uh, actual recipe there, but you kind of write a story around it as well with some advice on how you could do things differently. Like in the chicken salt and boca. Now, personally, I love mushrooms. I used them, but you, you have like a little Q and a, you put in somebody says like, do I have to use mushrooms? You say, no, if you don't like them, don't use them. You know, that's, that's the biggest part. You know, for years I was so rigid. <laughs> was that when you were an asshole? Yeah. Well, <laughs> even past that, I was a little less rigid, but still, but, you know, and then sometimes I have to bite my tongue. When I when people will go, well, I didn't use this. I use this, and I'm like, mm, what's what I need to do? Okay, but you know, a lot of my recipes tell people, you know, God, if you don't like broccoli, leave the broccoli out. You know, right? You know, I'll, I'll tell them, you know, if you can, if it's not going to kill you, try it the way it was intended, and then adjust it. Right, but right. It might surprise you. Yeah, I, I struggle with that as well because I guess I don't know if I should say I'm blessed or not, but I have a palate to where I pretty much like everything. That's good. And when somebody's like, I don't like that. I don't want to use it. I'm like, mm. I know. You know, and, and I used to have ways of like my wife uh, loves my soups, but hates beans. So I started puree and she didn't know they were in there. <laughs> <laughs> I do that but too. But then she read the blog post and went, oh, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've done that yeah. too. Well, yeah, I can't. Kevin's good with me. I can't tolerate cilantro mm -hmm. at all. Oh, it just tastes like, like yeah, it tastes like soap. Yeah. The other, the other thing worse, you know, and I'm half Mexican, is cumin. Cumin. She hates that. Hates cumin, the yep. smell of it, you know, doesn't even want to be around. So, yeah, my wife's Polish and I'm half Mexican. So it's, you know. <laughs> oh, cool. So do you have any Mexican recipes on your side? I only have a few. You know, it's my mother was not a good cook, which is, again, more <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny, man. One of the reasons that I did like to cook, learn to cook. She, there was no joy in it for her. In her later years, she found some joy in it when she was cooking for her, just for herself or for friends. She lived in a, a senior complex. 
and they used to feed right. each other. Then she found some joy in it. But but back then, you know, she was just working so hard and spending so much time as you know, she'd work, like I said, uh, midnight to eight in the morning. So she'd be home for us and do stuff. It was just wasn't one of her priorities. And she had been shipped off to nursing school. She was the second oldest in her family at 10. And the, the younger girls are the ones that got to learn to cook and make tortillas and all this stuff. But you know, she could make a couple things. But I sent her, I remember in grade school, I made her go to see the school cooks to learn how to make spaghetti sauce. <laughs> That's funny. I made her go in. Because she used to use something called spatini because my father, that was what he was used to. Uh, right. Awful. <laughs> So how about we end with a, a chef knife question and then a lightning round. So the knife question is, aside from a chef knife, what is your favorite knife in the kitchen? A paring knife. Aha. Uh-huh. A short, a short bladed paring knife. And as for a chef knife, I like an eight inch blade. I don't like anything too long. I want to be able to handle it. And I mm-hmm. tell people, I'm the same. Yeah, it, it should feel good in your hand. Doesn't matter how much right. it costs. It should feel good. I got. I have a Mesa knife. Not that they're they you know they're doing anything for me, but that was a relatively inexpensive knife. Feels good in my hands. Was too sharp when I first got it because I was cutting myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a really dumb thing this weekend. I, I understand what you mean because I, I think I have we have a I have a ten inch mm-hmm. chef knife. You and use it, the ten and inch, is, and I, I use the eight inch, and it, it's yeah. a little large. But the dumb thing I did this weekend, we're cooking, and I was in. Be- I forget exactly what I was doing, but I was in between processes. So I'm just holding the knife in my right hand and I'm looking to the left doing something else individually with my yeah. left hand and my hand slipped and went right into the oh, knife. Oh yeah, I hate when that happens. Oh, I hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Not when I'm cutting something, I'm doing something else. <laughs> you know, let me tell you, I was doing a demo at a high school when I was back in the restaurants at another and I slipped my finger and I had to hold mm-hmm. it closed with another finger while I kept doing the demo because I was... It, oh man yeah it was wow i know i know i was lucky i could keep enough pressure on it so i didn't bleed all over the place oh my god yeah. it cuts it's it's and back in those days you didn't worry about it as much now someone bleeds you bring out a uh you know a, a guys in the suits to come clean it up mm-hmm. <laughs> hazmat yeah, hazmat, hazmat there you go. Uh, <laughs> right back then it looked like yeah it's no big deal uh, adds flavor um but okay. I, I like the eight inch chef knife. And again, you know, it shouldn't, whatever, if you have money to spend on toys and that's what you like, great, but you don't need a really expensive knife. I actually keep a knife sharpener too. And I just keep a, mm-hmm. a good uh, blade on everything. So, okay, here we go with the lightning round. Mm-hmm. Olive oil or butter? Depends on what it's used for. That's a chef answer. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, olive oil for anything fried. Uh, butter to finish. Usually, you know, even in any kind of a kitchen, you know, the oils start, you want to taste the butter for the French aspect of cooking. So the butter needs to be added at the end. And a lot of my mm-hmm. sauces, you'll see, I use a bourmanier, which is you take a hunk of butter, you roll it in flour, press the flour in good, and then you yeah. put that in the sauce and that thickens the sauce. Yeah, yeah. we did that. That's with, that's in the chicken salt on yeah, boca recipe. I yep. remember doing that. Yeah, that was, that was my, my job he gave me. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's messy. Yeah. Lemon or lime? Uh, lemon, because it smells really great. I prefer lime, but lemon. Mm-hmm. In pickles, dill or sweet? Oh, I like the sweet pickles. The, the, only the uh, the hamburger slices. 
Uh, mm -hmm. Other for that, uh, I can live without a pickle. Ranch or blue cheese? Blue cheese. I'm with you on that. This one's a tough one now. Bacon or sausage? Bacon. That okay. wasn't tough. Guess it wasn't tough. tough. <laughs> no, there is, there is no question. <laughs> Ketchup or mustard? Ketchup. Although as I've gotten older, I've I've turned towards brown mustards. Mm -hmm. Okay. Lori turned me on to yellow, yellow mustard. mustard. Oh, yeah. Yellow mustard's wonderful, but I, I I've been liking the, the the nice deli mustards, the brown. Not so much Dijon because uh, it's got a different kind of a flavor, but those spicy little brown mustards. Gotcha. Right. Ribeye or filet mignon? Oh, ribeye. All the, right. all the time. Exactly. <laughs> all, the time. <laughs> all day long. Oh, yeah. That's another one of biting your tongue things when somebody says filet mignon instead. No, yeah. the worst is when they say medium well. Well, yeah. <laughs> we were in Paris on one of our first trips, and my wife won't eat anything with a hint of red in it. And she sent the steak back. Oh, no. And uh, I said, they're just standing there looking at it. They're not cooking it anymore. You know? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, my ex-husband was that way when I first met him. Now he eats medium rare. Uh, she, she still won't. <laughs> yeah, so we went to a uh, one of our favorite steak places. I'm, I'm not going to get into too many details with mm -hmm. names and such, but one time we went with guests to one of our favorite steakhouses, and two of our guests ordered, was it? Medium well, well, well done. Medium mm -hmm. well. And afterwards, I went over to the chef and his wife, co-owner, and apologized <laughs> for our guest. Well, my, my brother had an interesting story about his father-in-law who, who always had to be well, well, well done. And then towards his later years, he lost his eyesight. And they would order him a steak, medium rare. And he's going, these are the best steaks I've ever had. <laughs> so funny. That is so funny. Yeah, it's, 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 it's in, in your, your mind. Head, yeah. yeah. It's in your head. So we have the website is askchefdennis.com. Instagram, same, Ask Chef Dennis. And Facebook, it is a culinary journey with Chef Dennis. Yep. But I'm actually, it's Ask Chef Dennis. If you, if you type that in, it'll come up. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, um, which is the name of my blog, A Culinary Journey with Chef Dennis, askchefdennis.com. And uh, I also have a travel, like I said, on uh, Instagram. And uh, they made me do a travel page on Facebook. But I, I these days, well, since the pandemic started, I have not been doing much on those pages and just kind of right, right. food. Right, but yeah, cooking at home stuff, that's... Uh trending up. I'm it sure you. is. You know, and you know, people are seeing, I've been doing a lot of cooking. You know, one thing for me, it reminded me that I still love to cook because mm -hmm. I was so busy in so many different directions and all the traveling that we would eat out three or four times a week because I was too tired. I didn't have time. And then mm -hmm. when we weren't going anywhere, I went, oh, this is fun. I'm going to have a good <laughs> time, you know, and I've been more productive than I think I've ever been and, and having a really good time doing it. Awesome. Yeah, same thing happened to us too. Yeah, yeah, it did. But yeah, cooking at home has got to be fun, and it, it brings people together. You know, you cook together, and a lot of my recipes are, are kind of gauged that way. Is like it won't take long, so you can have some help. You know, you can do some things. Uh, the next right. recipe you need to try if you if you like it is tiramisu. That's one of your most popular ones. That is my most popular. It has been <laughs> since I think I wrote it. It's it's been cool. the biggest the biggest uh, traffic on my blog. Yeah. It's fun when that happens, isn't it? Yeah. 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 We actually, um, I just wanted to tell you this in case you're interested in checking it out. We have a Facebook group called foodies home creations that okay. we created as a spinoff from our restaurant review group. Oh, really? And I have to tell you, it is the most 
It is so much, it's so active. It's more active than our restaurant review group. Really? With one tenth the amount of people. And the things these people cook, it blows my mind. Yeah. You would be really, you should check it out. Foodies Home Creations. I will. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we have like 17,000 in our restaurant review group, mm-hmm. and we have 1,700 in our foodies home creations group, and that one's more active right now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's someone had told me once, if you have 100 raving fans, you know, you are going to be doing things that no one will believe. You know, it's just, it's a matter, it's not so much, you know, I have some large numbers on Google. I had over a million followers, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't matter. It comes down to who lives you can touch a little or who you can have like really enjoy which i get some some emails and they almost make me want to cry because they're so nice that people are so grateful and you know so happy with what they've made or what i've shown them how cooking can be fun and easy so that's awesome and we're grateful for having you on today yes thank thank you you. yes pleasure chef dennis litley thank you so much we will be right back We have two new items on the website. There's a fresh review of Roland Oats, which many of you probably know is a specialty grocer here in St. Pete, but they also have a cafe with a lot of really good food that they can make for you, lots of sandwiches, and there's also uh, some great grab-and-go stuff, so check that out. And we also have breaking news of a second location for Gracie Pasta and Provisions opening in downtown St. Pete. That'll be on the 1400 block, which is kind of across from Ferg's. And if you don't know, Gracie Pasta and Provisions, their initial location opened earlier this year in Pasa Grill, and they are an artisanal grocer that specializes in handcrafted pastas, cheese and charcuterie boards, fresh baked bread, and prepared food to go. You can see all of that on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Next week on the podcast, we'll be talking to Florida Trend restaurant editor, Chris Sherman. If you'd like to send us fan mail, hate mail, or if you have any requests for interviews or restaurant reviews, just send an email to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Chef Dennis. And thanks to our sponsors. Rollin' Oats. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And, and Engine, Engine Number, number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Yeah, uh, three cheeseburgers, two large fries, uh, two chocolate shakes, and one large Coke. And some flapjacks. Too early for flapjacks?